2: Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm Tati Herman. Welcome to Iron Real Estate. And as you know, everyone talks about real estate. Everybody wants to know about it. Probably the, I call it the universal language because there's no one who doesn't want to know about it. Uh, Of course, today we're always joined by my co-host, resident and legal expert attorney Stephen Ebert. And he's a partner at the prestigious Kassin and Casson. Good morning, Stephen.
3: Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, everyone. We have a nice sunny day after days and days of rain and clouds. So well, I'm very I'm, happy.
2: I'm glad for that. And I had been in Florida for almost a month, and I don't think we saw sunlight one day. So that was a waste of a trip. But uh, I guess the weather's been a little bit crazy, like the world is these days. I want to tell so you some true. good. I want to tell you some good news, though. Um, the groundhog, who very rarely sees his shadow, okay, guess what? He saw his shadow, and uh, he's only. And he's now he's not always accurate. I mean, his track record is not too accurate, but he mostly predicts that there's gonna be a long winter and this year is one of the few times that he predicts so let's hope he's right this year that we're going to have an early spring so that's good news because the groundhog very rarely predicts that again as I want to make sure you know he's not always accurate but it's a lot of fun and uh, we'll give it a whirl a few things for those of you living in uh, New York City Um, I I think they've allowed the restaurants to stay open nine months of the year. I think they have to close them in the winter, but the outdoor restaurants, which was a result of the pandemic, they're going to let them stay nine months. I mean, not in the middle of the winter. And there's certain restrictions that they have to have and certain prices they have to pay. But we never had as much dining outside, and it's become very popular now in New York City, so that's all good. And by the way, of course, as you probably already know, that the, you know, we've really come back, and everyone's traveling. That New York airports have recorded 144 million travelers last year, Uh, and that's from Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. LaGuardia Airport saw a a new high of 32.4 million passengers, which is higher than before the pandemic. J- JFK International Airport, there were about 62.5 million passengers, and Newark reported its most significant jump in passengers at 49.1 million passengers in 2023. Okay, so demand for air and travel has definitely returned, and not the return, it's past pre pandemic amounts okay so that's really uh i guess everybody after really being in with the pandemic realized hey you really want to travel and i'm trying to get out um uh, as far as somebody had asked the question um did the hamptons did the, the, their because it was kind of quiet last year but their sales are coming along for those of us uh, somebody had just asked me a question just for a second so just quick answer yes um we expect 2024 to be a better year than 2023 as far as real estate goes. We're going to have a little bit more inventory, not a whole lot because we're so behind the eight ball, but a little bit more and um, with a little bit more inventory. There's so many buyers, the millennials, which, as I said, we'll do a show on because there's the biggest, that's the biggest group of buyers and also will be the biggest transfer of wealth. Um, that this country has ever heard, have ever seen. But they're out there, and a lot of them kind of took a break because there's a lot of things going on, and the interest rates have gone up to, I don't know, eight. I think now they're about six, six-something, you know, in the sixes. So you're going to see a spring market that's busy. So if you're out there looking now, try to find something before the whole, before it really gets busy again because then you'll have more competition. Uh as far as Manhattan goes, Manhattan uh, buyers signed 20 contracts on 25 homes asking four million or more just this week. Okay, uh, the luxury market is coming off its best week since early October, um, and there were 25 contracts signed asking four million or more in the seven days that are ending, and that's you no know, townhouses, condos, co-ops. Okay, and uh, I think New York has really come back. I mean, it's got to, you know we've got some bumps and we've got some things that we have to do, but for most part, it's come back. Actually, the penthouse that was asking more than a hundred million led New York City's housing market this week. Okay, and um, the commercial thing is is speeding up too, and so and we're going to have some great guests on to talk about commercial. Bob McNackle, and we're going to have a few other people on that will really fill you in on commercial. But, Steve, we left off last week on – we were talking about disclosures, and we never quite finished it. So I'm trying to remember exactly where we left off.
3: Sure, Dottie. Well, there was a lot to talk about and a lot of things to keep in mind. So, you know, as we're now entering the spring market – Um, There's a lot of things that you want to think about when you're looking at a property. So let's talk a little bit about what to do with your home inspector and then also talk about the changing laws that's only a few weeks or so away um, that's out there. So first and most important thing is that New York, generally speaking, is one of the most buyer beware caveat emptor states in the country meaning it's really on the buyer's side to do a thorough due diligence. So it's really on the buyer's side to understand, are the taxes correct? Am I, in the, am I buying a property that's in the right school district I thought I was buying in? And then, of course, the physical condition of a property. Now, Dottie, most clients that we have, and I would say the vast majority of transactions, when people are buying co-op or condo apartments, people tend not to get a home inspection Doesn't mean you can't. The reason I think a lot of people don't do it is they feel that they can look at a refrigerator, turn on a dishwasher, see kind of what's going on in the apartment. Um, But I will tell you, Dottie, an increasing number are getting home inspections, even for a standard apartment. You know, as as we talk about uh, on this show and on others about upgrades in technology and energy, you know, certain clients are interested to see what's going on in the building system is it an oil burner a gas burner electric a couple of buildings not many have geothermal you know what's the energy source um what's the amperage of the electric you know it's wonderful to have these pre-war apartments but sometimes you ask which war are they before and you know do they have the right amount of electric and you see, Dottie, an older apartment might only have 40 amps of electric when a new apartment might have 80 or 100. And could you really really have all the modern amenities that you would expect to be run and powered? So we're seeing some more, still a, a small minority of folks, doing home inspections for apartments. Um, I will say sometimes when you have more of a unique property, a penthouse, roof rights, balconies, maybe a garden, duplexes, more of an occasion to have an inspector so that's in the apartment world and then you have of course the house and then Dottie, when you're getting a home inspector there's a few things i want to alert our listeners to number one you want to find out not just the experience of the company but who is the individual coming to do the inspection is it the person that you're speaking with Or is it somebody who maybe is not as experienced? So it's really important to find out who is actually showing up. The next thing, Dottie, there is a wide variety in how these reports look. You know, when I started, you have home inspectors show up with a clipboard, write down a couple of check marks, write a sentence or two, and then tear off the carbon copy receipt, and here's your inspection report. And they've evolved a long, long way. Inspectors should be taking digital photos, putting that into the report. A good inspector will also take pictures and look up model numbers to see, are there recalls on that circuit breaker panel or HVAC system? Right, That's a lot more depth that's involved. And so all inspectors are not quite the same. A number of inspectors will even take a look at the improvements and make sure that they're to code under local standards. And I'll tell you, Daddy, what's so important that people need to keep in mind, when you build something and you close out that permit, you only need to be in compliance with the code at the time so you have things that are, quote, grandfathered in. So well, even yes. if you have a... Assist- yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was saying yes, and I, but I was going to ask you another question because obviously if you're spending... A, your home is a big investment, and if you're buying a residential single two family three then you absolutely definitely don't even want to not think about having it and you also don't want to have your friend who knows what there's you know sometimes people want to save money that's not where you should save money and use a friend you should get a, a person that's recommended by the broker who's done a lot of them and you should find out his history before you use him um but
3: basically, and also I would even with that even throw in a local understanding. Like most people don't right. realize and we you know, there's an area on the far upper west side in Washington Heights where there's actually some very tiny riverlets that run underground. So I've seen people look at townhouses and say, Oh my goodness, this cellar never finished the basement. I can add a thousand square feet to the house And if I renovate it, look at all the value I can add to the property. Well, if you buy on the wrong street and people don't think about this, there's a lot of dampness and water penetration that may affect some of those basements. And so having inspectors that sort of know the neighborhood can really make all the difference because this value-added play you thought you could make, you know, you really can't. And, And, you know, Dottie, what I'd like to do is list a few of the top, what I would say, Items that come up that I see that could be helpful to people. Number one, look at the roof. Is the roof in good condition? Do you see nail pops? Do you see roof tiles that are bent? Right There's this what we call fish mouthing where you see the the shingles on the roof kind of pointing up like little peaks. And when you see that, Dottie, that's a sign of heat being trapped in the attic and bad ventilation bigger right. issue. It's not just maybe a roof, but you could have ventilation issues. But, um, be yeah, careful. I, I
2: just want to say one thing, and I don't mean to interrupt you, and I just yeah. did, and I apologize for that. I just sure. No, to no, no way. worries. When you get an inspector, you should definitely not... You should make sure you're there when he's inspecting or she's inspecting the property, because what you want to do is, like Stephen just mentioned, the roof. Well, is the roof... Got a hole in it does it need a new roof or does it just have a few shingles in the roof that are loose because no matter what the house is even if it's brand new it's going to have some faults and you want to ask the home inspector gee for the age of this house because remember something is not if it's not brand new it's got to have faults how is how bad is the roof and what will it cost me and that's the key question what will it cost me to repair it? Because you're not there to nitpick because you'll find the million things that are wrong with the house. You're there for, as Stephen said, major, major structural issues.
3: And it's it, and it's amazing the different levels of technology. You know, some inspectors will put up a ladder and walk the roof. Some will use binoculars or cameras. And some are now using drones to literally hover over spots of the roof, depending upon how big or complicated the roof is. Um So that's something. And look for little things where sometimes with older roofs, they throw a second roof on top, which is not a great practice to do. And also with that, be careful to understand if there's solar panels on it. Does the homeowner rent them or own them? What are you stuck with? Does that void any roof warranties and to make sure it's really watertight? Yeah. So roofs are a big one that we say.
2: How about water damage? Cracks in the foundation, termites. That,
3: that, one's, that one's huge. So let's talk about water and, 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 and ground. First of all, try not to fight Mother Nature. That's my, that, that's, my, that's my take. You know what? Water flow, slope, and gravity, it's expensive to fight back. So when you're looking at a house, look at the land. Is it flat? is is the house so that if you poured water, is it flowing away from the house or is it downhill where it's going towards the house? Very, very important point because you want to make sure you have the right kind of drainage. And, Dottie, you know, it's interesting. The flood maps have really changed for a variety of reasons, and not just climate, but you've seen, like, rivers get redirected. Sometimes you have a new development nearby, And it's changing the way the water flows and drainage happens it could affect. So really get a sense of the neighborhood um, and see what it's like after a heavy rainstorm. And I definitely recommend talk to your insurance agent before you sign the contract because they can double-check the flood map for you and let you know what the rating is and if there is any flood history or water damage claims in the house. It's a really nice tip to help maybe think ahead. Um, and I'll tell you, watch out for things that are suspicious. You know, sometimes you see water penetration in the basement, and what you'll see sometimes is people put in like a brand-new paneling or flooring, and you might have water penetration issues underneath, and it could be tough to to inspect. So really trust your instinct, and, and don't be afraid to ask inspectors questions. And you should really walk with them through the house um, okay. to see what they're concerned about.
2: Right, walk through them, understand it, because if you read an engineer's report, more than likely you won't even know what they're saying. If it so you, And you want to ask, this damage, what's it going to cost? You, of course, want to know about lead paint, asbestos, and any malfunctioning electrical systems, like big things like that. Um, steve i don 't know about New York because every state has a little bit of a different disclosure law but mm-hmm. do, um, do, does, do, do most states um, most states don't require this disclosure of a death in the home, do they or is that
3: so on a death no um so that that 's something that's obviously very you know personal um, most that i'm uh, I'm aware of do not require disclosure if there's a death in the home. Um, you do, and and the real estate agents do have to be truthful and honest. So if they are aware of one and they're asked that question, they have to answer it truthfully and honestly. Um, but it is a great question on what you have to disclose, Dottie. And New York State has had a law on the books that you have to for residential properties, not for co-op condo apartment buildings. Uh, that's different. But you know your classic single family, right? a two-family, a three-family, you have to disclose certain information um, about defects. Now, this law has been on the books for 22 years, but the law has been, in my opinion, fairly ineffective. And the reason it's been ineffective is that if the seller gives the buyer a $500 credit, which is really de minimis, then the seller is exempt from filling out the disclosure form. Now, that's been the law for 22 years. But, Dottie, in March, the law, the law has been changed, and there's a whole new set of rules of the game. Um, I know we're coming up to a break. We are. But these are important rules that change, and coming in March for the spring market, different environment, and we got to talk about that.
2: Okay, so we'll continue that on disclosures and talk about if there's any liens on the property and things of that nature. Those are certainly things you're going to want to know. And it's not something you should ever skip. We'll be right back to finish talking about disclosures and property lines and items that stay in the house or don't stay in the house. Those are all my things, nuisances, and what as a seller you must disclose and what you might not have to unless somebody asks. We'll be right back.
4: Regular price is $79.98 for a limited time. You can get this six-pack towel set for only $39.99 with promo code P. That's a 50% savings. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code P to save 50% on the MyPillow six-pack towel sets.
5: At Idala & Kamins, that is what we offer. When I was on the bench, Idola, Bertuna & Kamins earned the reputation of being the boutique law firm that fights passionately for their clients in the most professional manner in both civil and criminal cases. I am proud to be a member of the Idola, Bretuna & Kamins law firm, where our lawyers will give you the powerful representation you all deserve.
4: Unity Bank is dedicated to community-oriented banking and offers a full range of services including business and personal accounts, business loans, and mortgages. Unity has locations throughout New Jersey and in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, expanding its footprint to 21 retail locations grow your savings with their great CD specials. Visit UnityBank.com to find out more. Unity Bank is also a great place to work. As Unity Bank President and CEO James Hughes says, the people make Unity Bank a great place to work. We give our employees an opportunity to grow. At Unity Bank, there are no excess layers of bureaucracy as found at Goliath-sized banks. All employees have full access to management with encouragement to make decisions and grow their careers. Visit UnityBank.com That's unitybank.com for current CD and savings specials. They are FDIC insured, an equal opportunity employer, and an equal housing lender. Unity Bank, growing with you.
6: Are you ready to embark on an unforgettable expedition to Alaska this summer? Then join me, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, along with Mike Gallagher and our special guests on the Patriots Alaska Cruise, sailing over 4th of July weekend. Learn more at PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com. This experience is a chance to participate in spirited discussions and thought-provoking lectures with like-minded patriots and sought-after speakers. Seven action-packed days will chart a course toward a bright American future, all while surrounded by Alaska rustic and natural wonders on a luxury cruise ship. You'll experience powerful creation immersed in the splendor of glaciers and fjords. Join Mike Gallagher and me June 29th to July 6th. Secure your cabin today by calling 855-565-5519 or book online at PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com. That's 855-565-5519, PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com.
0: Listen to AM970 the answer on Alexa. Tune in iHeart or Odyssey.com.
1: Continuing with iON Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of iON Real Estate, the Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: We're back. I'm here with Stephen Ebern and myself. And don't forget, um, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, or you can go to www dot dottieherman dot com and sign up for my monthly newsletter this week the second half of, of this today or second half of the show we're going to be joined by two very special guests at 11 um, we will be joined by senior managing director head of New York private capital group um, then at uh, eleven we'll be joined by Hillary Robertson who is a designer and the author of monochrome home when she will be discussing the, the how to design your home like that. Um, So it's going to be very interesting. But getting back to disclosures, which Stephen and I were talking about at the beginning, um, you don't want to not do that and you don't want to get a friend. You want to make sure you interview a few uh, people that, as Stephen said, are from the area that have done homes, that have done residential homes, if you're doing a residential home. And the seller has to disclose, and you want to, you know, find out, is the electrical system, because there's certain things you can't see, and the seller can't lie, or they'll be sued. So as a seller, you know, you can't kind of cover up things that you have to disclose. Stephen, is there anything that you, I mean, what comes to mind when you, on things that you must disclose as a seller? I, I might have... I think I might have lost you. New, new York
3: will have a new law. New York has an update to their law, which um, has all, um, all sellers now um, having to list a number of new things. So one of the biggest things since we're talking about is flood uh, and water damage. So if sellers are aware of water damage, it being in a flood zone, then they have to disclose that now. Um, starting for deals that are not in contract by March. Very, very important. They're going to have to disclose certain insurance events. They're going to have to disclose things not working, and even when certain systems have been installed. So this is a real change. Um, It's There are very few exceptions to the law, Dottie. There is no longer that $500 credit and don't have to think about it. And, Dottie, this is ultimately a signed statement.
2: Stephen, explain what that was, because if you didn't buy a house in the last 10 years, you wouldn't know. But originally, I mean, the last 10 years, it was really pretty simple. You could just...
3: Well, yeah, in the last 10 years, if you were a seller, you could basically, as a seller side, say, Hey, get your home inspector... You know, do your research, hire a lawyer, have your team, have your real estate agent look at it, and and you decide if you want to buy it or not. Right? You could do that. Now, all of a sudden, you can't do that. And then, Dottie, I will say this gets you into a lot more alignment to local states. You know, Connecticut, New Jersey, they've had disclosure laws uh, in effect for quite some time without that sort of credit and not have to disclose so i look at it this way even though it's not something that we're comfortable with in new york because we haven't had to deal with it uh it's something that we're now um you know really more in line with other states um so it's you know it's an interesting time right because this is going to hit right as we go into our spring market this year uh and again co-ops and condos are exempt from this uh it's not applicable also, Dottie, there's a few other exceptions, estate sales, right? If you have an estate, I think it would be very unfair for a fiduciary, you know, who maybe does, hasn't been in the property in years to understand what's going on. And of course, Dottie, new construction operates under a whole different set of rules. And um, don't you do not you have, have do to do to... it.
2: Because a lot yeah. of people and... don't do it on new construction. Like, it's a new house. They say, oh, I don't have to bother. Um, I might have been one of the people that made that mistake. Yes. And
3: I ended I just want to clarify that point. I'm, for a second, I'm just talking about the disclosure requirement. So under new construction, the developer does not have to fill out this form. The reason being is it's brand new. So there's not really a history. But your your point is very well taken. You can make an argument that you almost need an inspector more on new construction than than on a resale. Um, because how, how good of a job did they really do? Did they really do all the bells and whistles that you wanted? Um, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a phrase that we have in contracts when you replace item it's called a builder standard type item. Well, it, the reason it's called a builder standard item is some of these items are kind of generic. Right? True. Some of the drawers in the cabinetry can be very generic. So you really want to have a close eye to detail. And, you know, when you're negotiating a new construction house contract, you want to really have it listed. I want to see what kind of brand and build-out you're putting in the kitchen cabinets, not just the make and model of the dishwasher, but that's the level. And literally, Dottie, you want to count the outlets. You want to literally say, I want enough outlets in my kitchen, and do you want modern stuff? For example... Do you want just your regular electric outlet? And maybe you want to have some that have the USB plugs in them, right? There's a lot more to really keep in mind than ever before.
2: I just want to tell you a story because it happened to me. I bought a brand new house. It's going back a bit. And I didn't think I had to have a whole engineer's report. And so I didn't, which was the biggest mistake. I don't think I was in the house more than a month. And I had a flat roof. They had a flat roof over the master bedroom, which was on the second floor. Um, and, you know, it was like a terrace, like a little balcony that was enclosed. And what happened was they didn't, they didn't put the drainage in right. So what happened was water didn't drain right because the drainage wasn't, the drain wasn't pitched properly and the water sunk into the the the, the 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 walk and it went into the and it, then it went into my walls and it ended up knocking the ceiling out of my den which was underneath that deck so it ended up costing mm. me a lot of money and uh, it was a problem from the builder but i didn't catch it because i didn't do it so you can learn a lesson that even on new construction you should have
3: now daddy i want to mention one point and this is where you got to be very careful Um, And obviously, we don't want to get into the specifics of your case, but a lot of new construction homes have a warranty. And it's very important to understand that warranty. What we usually do is in our contracts, when we represent a buyer from new construction, we will have the warranty attached to the contract as an exhibit to be signed so that they know what they're covered and how much and for how long. There are certain statutes in New York. We have the uh, Implied Merchant Housing Warranty Act, where for certain types of residential property in the absence of that, there is a statutory warranty um, to protect consumers. Because you're right, Dottie, certain things you're not going to know. right? You're not going to know immediately about a roof. You're not going to know immediately about a foundation, things like that. And so... The local building inspector can only do so much in, in their review and their sign-offs. So,
2: I know I have you know, a question. You, you somebody, Steve, someone just uh, emailed the question, in, and it says sure. uh, to Steve, "What are the legal consequences for someone that doesn't disclose a leaky roof or a crack in the basement, and problems happen after the purchase?"
3: It's a great question. And so it depends if on two major factors. Are you signing that contract today, or are you signing that contract in two months from now? So let's talk about the current law today. Under the current law, if they gave the $500 credit, they didn't disclose anything. The only way to really get them after the closing is if there is something in the contract that survives. So, Dottie, if we think about the life of a real estate transaction... There's really three main time periods, the negotiation, then you sign the contract and you're in contract, and then you've closed. So the contract that the buyer and seller signed together cover that phase two. And what happens is, unless something, and here's the key phrase, Dottie, it survives closing. So unless if there is a responsibility, a representation, or a warranty that survives closing, then at the closing the parties are deemed satisfied. Buyer's the owner, seller gets their money, and they're done. So when it comes to really issues of water damage and leaks and so forth, generally speaking, you need to have something survive closing in the contract. Now, that's not the total answer, though. There can be cases, they're they're hard to bring, but I'm not saying you can't bring them, where if there are certain latent defects that the seller knew about and they engaged in a manner to really hide these latent defects to make them not discoverable a case could be brought it's a little bit of an uphill climb to do that but that is the other option as well for a buyer
2: well let me say this okay you need to also have that in your contract that you are will have an engineer's report and if you're the seller You don't want to give them a lot of time, three or four days, and they have to have it. Okay? But you need that in your contract that you will allow, that the seller will allow you to have an engineer's report. And as a seller, you should allow it, but you shouldn't let them, you should have a date that they have to have it completed because then they, you don't want to go to contract without that. And if there's problems, then before you actually sign the contract, you can negotiate maybe some money off the house. For
7: some problems, hi Kevin McCullough. Let me tell you about a very interesting new book that has just been released, and some are saying is a must-read. It's called Two Creations, Barah and Asa, and the author Emmanuel J. Charles reveals the secret of creation from the book of Genesis. He reveals that life on earth was not evolved but created by Almighty God. He explains that the first three verses of the Bible should be considered as three distinct events that took place in four different eras of Earth's history. This book presents undeniable claims supported by logical reasoning, scientific evidence, and biblical truth. This book gives pastors and professors the ability to teach the creation account in churches and academic institutions boldly, without any doubt or hesitation. Many young students are walking away from their faith due to the lack of evidence to refute the theory of evolution and the promises that they will finally find answers in this book. Visit Amazon.com to get your copy today. Buy your copy of Two Creations, Barah
8: and Asa by Emmanuel J. Charles, today. Hi, it's Arthur Idala here for Bay Ridge Honda, run by my family friend, Rob Sabah. The Sabah family owned and operated Honda dealer for over 60 years, serving all five boroughs. I've gotten cars there. My family's gotten cars there, from my grandfather to my sister to all my friends. Everyone I know goes to Bay Ridge Honda because Rob Sabah, his sister Danielle, and their team are the best and most trusted in the business. And now they have a lot going on all month long. You could score a brand new Honda to celebrate the big game. You pick the deal, the lowest lease or finance options, in the tri-state area. Then there's President's Day weekend where they're offering $1 down deals. Drive a brand new Honda home for just $1 down or a $1 oil change. The choice is yours. Brand new Hondas like the all-new Honda Civic, Honda HRV, Honda CRV, Honda Accord, Honda Passport. They have them all. Low finance rates available, no payments until spring of 2024. 90 days of no payments. Best prices around. Top dollar for your trade. They serve all five boroughs. Visit Bay Ridge Honda, 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York or online at bayridgehonda.com mm mm-hmm.
9: For 25 years, Invite Health has been leading the way in wellness with our extensive line of dietary supplements. With our brand new state-of-the-art website, we now offer new everyday low prices. Save even more with our brand new subscription plan. Stay tuned to learn about new and exciting offers and services. Remember, free shipping on orders over $35. We have made it our business to support you in your health journey. From everyday health tips to detailed genetic testing, Invite Health has a team of experts to help you achieve your health goals. Reach out to us now to speak to one of our nutrition experts or to schedule a consult by calling 800-673-2345. That's 800-673-2345 or go to invitehealth.com. Contact Invite Health today to learn more about getting healthy and staying healthy. 800-673-2345 or go to invitehealth.com.
7: Listen to us
0: online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com.
6: This is Dennis Prager and now a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. For an hour each month, get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. I'll be answering your questions. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com.
1: AM 97 The Answer. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman.
2: We're back, and I just want to remind you that 11 o'clock, we're going to be on with Bob Knackle. And uh, Bob Knackle has been a broker in New York City for 40 years and over that time, he has brokered the sale of 2,321, to be exact, buildings having a market value of approximately $22 billion, And he's going to talk about investment sales, and you don't want to miss that. But getting back to disclosures, which is uh, really so important, I, I just want to emphasize you need to, as a seller, you you want to have it in you want to let a buyer do it because they're going to want to do it most buyers are savvy enough to have it in there and you know again you're not looking for pit you know petty things but if there's something big then you probably will have to address it before the contract but you should put as a seller a time frame because they're not going to sign the contract until that's done and um, so you have to have a contingency for an engineer's report and you have to make sure you put a time frame in as a seller. So, And as a buyer, then you'll, you'll want to have somebody in mind already and get them to the property.
3: You know, Dottie, if I can throw out a couple other tips that I see happening right now. Yes. One, you know, we always talk about preparing before you put things on the market. What some sellers are doing now is they actually, some are getting a, a pre-listing inspection, we've noticed with some homes where they say, look, go around and have a conversation and tell us what you think if you are representing the buyer, issues that you would bring up. And, and they really make some judgment calls on making some updates before putting it on the market. So, you know, it's a little bit beyond a fresh coat of paint. Um, there's pros and cons to doing it because, of course, you could become aware of a defect and now all of a sudden you may have to disclose that. But that is something that we're seeing to really limit buyers renegotiating. The other thing we're seeing on the other side, and this is one of the most important things, usually the issues are not, oh, my gosh, the house is a disaster, right? Usually you have a basic sense that things are what kind of condition in a broad sense. But one of the helpful things, and this is why as a buyer you should go on the tour with the inspector, a good inspector will say, look, the the hot water heater, it's working fine today so I'm not going to put in the report that it's broken. But warning, it's 10 years old, and the average lifespan is around 9 to 12 years. So even though there's nothing wrong with it today, I can't put it down in my report that there's a defect, you really need to plan and budget that in the next couple of years you'll probably have to replace it. And, Dottie, this is one of the biggest things for first-time homeowners. They think about getting to closing, which, of course, is so important, but they don't think about... What might come up in the first three, five years of homeownerships that I need to budget for where I have to make replacements and upgrades? And that's where having a really good home inspector will give the buyer that dialogue to say, here's what I need to budget for to make sure the house is well-maintained and well-run. Very important point.
2: Yes, and also make sure you're going to find that you want to make sure there's COs. In other words, if they did an extension or maybe they put on like a a patio outside, you need a CO for that, and you want to make sure that anything that that seller has done, they've done with a certified person, not just like a friend who upt- upgraded their electrical system. You want them. so. And as a seller, you should do that and make sure you're up to snuff before you even put the house on the market
3: hundred percent, Dottie. I see that so many times with decks and patios. You know, they have somebody who might be talented. They put up a deck. One, there's no permit. So they're going to have an issue. they going to have to legalize it. But number two, when you don't have a licensed contractor who really knows local code, you've got to look at things like, are the rails spaced properly apart for safety, and particularly for kids? Are the railings tall enough? You know, things like that. There's a lot of little things. And you could have spent all this money on a deck and have to redo it because the measurements, the offsets, are off by a little bit. And even the simple days of, oh well, I just put down some stones for a walkway. Some of the towns now, Dotty, they're getting extraordinarily strict on what percentage is covered with stone versus landscaping of nature. Like it can be, it can be a lot. I don't want to scare people off. But it's, if you hire the right people, it's the classic expression, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You can save yourself a lot of money if you really just approach it the right way from the get-go.
2: Now, there's a question that people ask, and every state is different, so I can't speak for every state, but uh, there's certain things that the state will require to disclose, but um, there's certain things that you have to disclose. But I, I don't know about you, but my advice as a seller is you should disclose it because if somebody finds out something later on after they went, you know, they find out that you didn't disclose it, they might say, what else is wrong with this property that they didn't tell me? So I, you know, I, but the, the states will require certain things like lead paint, I know, has to be disclosed. I don't know if, you know, everything, okay, has to be disclosed.
3: Yeah, I mean that's going to vary. There's certain federal laws, so you're right. You know, you have a federal law for lead paint, but a lot of uh, states also have an overlay on top of that. Um, I think the biggest thing is that look, you can you can you know people get turned off. I mean, I had a client walk away from a deal last week because the seller side was trying to be too aggressive, and they they hid things, and it turned out they had a series of violations on the property, and. You know, and we pushed and we pushed and we waited till we finally got the paperwork. They tried to pressure us to sign and we're like, look, we're not signing. And that's it. And good thing we were firm. And this is probably the best advice I can give a buyer. Never, ever, ever be afraid to lose a deal. Never be afraid. Obviously, you put in an offer because you want to buy the place. We're not looking to have a problem. But do things the right way. And if you have a seller who's pressuring you and saying, skip the inspection, or if you feel financially uncomfortable, skip the mortgage contingency, don't do this, don't do that, you need to draw your red lines and say, look, I'm not willing to take that risk. I'll find another house. And don't be pushed around. Um very, very important. You'll eventually find the right place.
2: And if you're the seller, remember, molds, pest and pests, like termites, roof leaks, foundation damage. Uh, they're they're going to find that out eventually. And if this buyer walks away, somebody else is going to find it out. So unless, you know, and some sellers are willing to do this. Sometimes when they find things wrong, the buyer will say, well, the seller will say, I'll tell you what. Um. You fix the problem and I'll put a, I'll give you a credit of X amount of money to cover the expense, but I don't have time to do it or I don't want to do it. So you can work things out, but you want to do that before you go to contract and you want before you sign the contract. So that's all going to be done quickly.
3: Absolutely. And credits can work well, but you also want to be careful. Because if the seller hasn't taken care of it, the question is why. Now sometimes it's because it's an estate, they don't have a lot of liquidity. They've already moved, so they might be not available. And, and for a certain job, that's okay. But if you are going to take a credit, or if you're going to put money in escrow, make sure you have an understanding of where that number came up from. Sometimes, Dottie, I see people come up with well-researched numbers. Sometimes I see people pull numbers out of thin air. So if they say, oh, I'll give you $2,000 credit. In the back of your mind, you got to ask, is that a real number, or is that just something being thrown in my direction to keep me quiet? So important to think about that.
2: Yes, uh, but it's important. And so that's just part of the process. And as Stephen said at the beginning of the show, it's a must, in my opinion, for residential properties. As far as an apartment goes, the reason I, that a lot of people might not do it is because that... The apartment, the exterior, and the foundation—all that stuff. Then you have to go to the prospectus and see, you know, what the what the building has done. You know. However, yep, however, I I think I just lost Stephen again. But you need to. Um, no, I'm here. Oh, I th- I thought I lost you. I heard some crashing. But anyhow, so you're really just looking at appliances and basically. You know, paint and cracks and maybe floors, but it's absolutely essential to do it on a on a freestanding home. Um, and you might you make sure you get a licensed inspector that you have. You want you might want to in, interview him. You want to ask how much he charges. What don't you check? Those are questions you want to ask him. What don't you check? How quickly? Because you can't take forever. How quickly will I receive my report? Because you. You're going to go with the inspector, but then they're going to issue a written report and you want to ask how, you know, it shouldn't be any longer than, in my opinion, three or four days. Uh, You could give them seven, but the seller uh, may not want to wait. And don't forget, as we told you, show after show, if you're getting an inspection and another buyer comes in and that contract's not signed yet and that buyer maybe offers more or says, look, you know, I'll waive the inspection. Well, you could be out. So you don't. You want to get to? Contact. Yeah,
3: absolutely. It could, that absolutely is the case. And Dottie, I want to talk about two other things that are important with it. Number one, the property is that of the buyer, meaning the home inspection is actually the property of the buyer. Um, that report, and so you do not have to share it with anyone. By law, the home inspector only sends it to the buyer unless the buyer tells them to send it to somebody else. I would be cautious of passing along that whole report to the seller for exactly the point that you made where they may try to double deal and use your report and give it to someone else. Very, very important. The other thing on timing is if you are in an area where radon is a concern, it does take about four or five days for the radon so sometimes what we do Dottie, is we'll have the house and the deal negotiated on the inspection and just have a carve out just on the radon because basically you got to leave the canisters in the house for a couple of days and then you got to pick them up get it to the lab and they usually take a couple of days to get the results so sometimes we'll do that just specifically for the radon to not hold up the transaction
2: that's good that's really a good point um you don't want to hold, and, and again, if i was, if I were the seller and I was doing a contract and I, I would allow an engineer to put, but I would put, you know, an amount of specific time that you, they can have to get it in. In other words, how many days they have to have it. Because otherwise that'll hold up your contract. But as I said, if you're the buyer, you do take the risk. And that's why during the pandemic, when there was a million offers, a million. Like, each house had 20, 20 offers, and they were only taking all cash. And people were trying to get their offers in, no matter what they did. A lot of people said no contingencies. In other words, not a finance contingency, which means that, you know, you, you, you'll you pay all cash if you don't have get a mortgage. And no uh, engineer's report. And if you don't have that, um, the less contingencies is better for the, the seller, but as a buyer, that was a risky thing for people to do because if they couldn't see it, they could have bought something, and some of them did, that had a lot of damages that the naked eye couldn't see.
3: Absolutely. Now, and, Dottie, t- to also your point, you got to understand the local custom. So the local custom in New York is that you do your inspection before signing the contract. But that's not all the case. You, you cross the border, you go into New Jersey. The local custom is you go into contract – and then you have a window, 10 days, two weeks even, to get your inspections done. So you got to understand your jurisdiction. Are inspections pre-contract signing or you contract sign with an inspection contingency? Now, if it's the latter, you can also negotiate around that contingency. Like, for example, you could say, and I've done this on deals, Dottie, all right, you have your inspection contingency, but it's only for major items, safety systems, structure, environmental. Or you can put in a dollar cap and say, look, if there's 5000 $10,000 worth of rickety items here and there, then you still have to proceed. And only if the cost to repair everything is over a certain dollar amount, then you can renegotiate. So the other point I want to make is sometimes people get so caught up in this sort of black and white, do I have an inspection contingency, yes or no? There is also a third way, right? You can have a partial inspection contingency, and sometimes that can make the deal work because you might have a seller who says, look, I know my house is basically fine, but I don't want to get into it with a buyer and lose momentum and maybe lose other buyers because they didn't like how one ceramic tile has a crack in it, right? So oh. that, there's, that's another way to negotiate that issue.
2: Well, there's a lot of ways, and that's why let me say this. I always say it make sure the broker that you use knows how to, is a good negotiator, and nobody should be negotiating yourself. I really feel strongly about that. It's always better to use a broker and have somebody else negotiate for you. And um, we're going to be back with Bob Knackle, Um and we're going to talk about investments, investment sales market in New York City. How's that going? What's going on with it? And this is The World's Expert. There's no one that's done more than Bob. We'll be right back, right after the break.
0: The preceding hour of programming paid for by